Hello again. Hey. Oh man. All right. So I, God, just I, I, I'm pretty much. I couldn't use my normal like desk. You know? I, I was like, yeah, you in. look like you're on the floor. Just. I am on the okay. floor, and I look like one of those uh, documentary interviewees who just want to be revealed. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like kind of a dark room. A little backlight. Oh, there we go. Screen's coming up. The brightness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, it's like my kid is sleeping in the room that I normally record. So It's very rude. Uh, She's not respecting your process. <laughs> not at all. And, and – um, like I told my wife, I was like, hey, I'm going to record around 12. So, And she usually naps around 12, so it was like perfect timing. I was like, just don't put her in the in her room. Just put her in like our room. Mm-hmm. Of course not. <sighs> <sighs> All right. What was the what was the movie that you were, you were watching? We were watching Something to Talk About with Julia Roberts and Kira Sedgwick, Dennis Quaid. It was one of my – I don't think it was $5. Maybe it was five ninety nine, but it was one of those – um, yeah, you know, you know, man, how we both do. We burn through and find ways to justify. And I'm like, I've never yeah. seen that, and I'm on like this '90s kick, and so yeah, you know, I see that that yellow on cheap charts, like the lowest price it's ever been. Yes, and it's same. a siren call to me. To... It, 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 it's uh, I, I don't know. I think I read a study or I heard about a study in which. Um, even like the phones, that games that people play, that they're just trying to milk money out of. They, they use bright colors and mm-hmm. to signal something in our uh, uh, subconscious. It's like, oh, this is attractive. This is the feeling that you want. And so, yeah, that yellow uh, um, color on cheap trucks absolutely very, very calling. So, no, I totally understand. Now, I I do because there are certain ones that come up repeatedly at that four ninety nine price point, and depending, like I, you know. I have like credit or if it's something I actually want to watch right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which you probably know more than me, but like, I don't know if it's like Lionsgate. There's certain studios. It seems like their catalog goes up quite a bit. Um, yeah. At cheap prices. Lionsgate's the only one. I think maybe Paramount, they dropped to three ninety nine occasionally. So that's always exciting. And it's frustrating because I I've already bought it at four ninety nine mm-hmm. or, or higher. Certain titles just don't go on sale. Um, that's I get like remember the proposal like it was it went down to four ninety nine and I paid seven ninety nine literally the week prior, <laughs> and my and the the and and to justify the seven ninety nine I'm I need to watch this right now mm-hmm. because yep. that's what you're paying for the the time, and I wasn't thrilled with it the way that I originally was. So I felt it was like a double dick punch. So it's, you know. <laughs> It's like, oh, I paid seven ninety nine. It wasn't as good as I remember. And then it went down to four ninety nine. You know, it's just another. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to uh, like some of the Disney stuff that just came up recently. They, they've you know yeah. rarely comes up. Uh, I, I've purchased and uh, I, I do that thing where I'm sure my wife hates it. Where I'm like immediately trying to prioritize my like on the Apple TV. What's on that top row? And yeah, <laughs> and I also don't know if it's a certain degree of shame removed from up next because this is for later. This is <laughs> this is going into the library. Um, but that yeah. was one of them that was up there. And I think she appreciates when I just like, let's just sit down to watch something. And I don't go through every list I have of things I've been. And so there it was. And I'm like, I've not seen that. Have you seen that? Nope. All right, let's do it. Let's just there it is. Right on. Yep. 
Um, one of the things that I've also begun doing uh, is is just if it's yeah if it's on 4K or if it's not a, you know the iTunes extras I really do try not to purchase it. But even certain things like 300, I know it's a bad movie. Like I know I'm gonna watch it. And I bought like, it eh. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, not only that, exactly. I, bu- I bought the sequel too because I'm like I'm oh, a completionist, no. <laughs> and I, I've seen it and I, I remember not even caring for it. Uh, but Miss Green, talk about a siren song again. I'm like, ah, I yeah. probably will watch that again. I and I felt worse because I'm like, are these um HBO Max prices? Because this is stuff they're going to launch on HBO Max. Because I, I see that a lot when something's about to come to Netflix a few days before. Suddenly yeah. iTunes has sales on it, but I still did it. I don't know because I, I will find myself wanting to watch 300 at some point again. So there it is. And that's the thing. It's like I can't believe that movie's not in 4K though. That's so weird because considering it was such a visual. Mm-hmm. And if it was in 4K, I would have done it. But here's the thing. My main TV in the uh, the 65 inch, I, I maybe it's probably my internet, but it's been going like dropping below 4k to like fuzzy to like the the buffering mm-hmm. has not been good i i did that with the equalizer like that was going in and out funny people was going in and out and so was funny uh people was going funny. in and out as well okay then that means that's that. the yeah and maybe it was because i was watching the unrated version or the extent which oh gee like that movie is long and then it just feels <laughs> even longer <laughs> But yeah, I, I, maybe it's just certain content, and then I was having issues with the the, the the there's a problem loading this content on on Funny People and for uh, Trainwreck. It's probably because there is no real content in either movie, and, and I'll oh, get here to we that. Go. Oh, the the podcast has started. Shots oh, yeah, have been I, fired. I, I... The guys behind Bros are here to save date night. My entire life has led up to this. They're bringing some of their hilarious movies back to theaters for one night each. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Join them for exclusive screenings in select theaters of Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Trainwreck, and Knocked Up. Nice. And don't miss their latest R-rated romantic comedy, Bros, in theaters September 30th. I want to see that. Gay guys are my jam. Awesome. <laughs> and and really, it's because I saw the behind-the-scenes feature. Like, there's a production diary documentary for funny people. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but nope. I I recommend it, I guess, just to maybe... Maybe you'll come to the same realization that I did. And I did it a little while ago. I'd always had my suspicions, but, you know... um. I think they were confirmed. What what did you think of, of Funny People since since that came out before Trainwreck? I I did not see it theatrically because Same. I'm not the biggest Adam Sandler guy. Now I say that, um, also having rewatched Just Go with It last night on Stars, and boy, I turned <laughs> and looked at my wife to say something like, "Oh, this is this is not good, isn't it? This is kind of obnoxious. And her face looked like she wanted to kill something. Like she, <laughs> she had murder in her eyes. Like, and that's usually like my reaction. Like when I'm seeing something I don't like, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. animated and I'm like huffing. And, uh, I, I guess, you know, I, I've been on a strange Sandler kick. Now this was purposeful because we have, I'm going through it from the, the Aptal, uh, perspective, but I passed on funny people the first time around because, um, Really, I think it is like the kind of the theme of what we're going to talk about here. I didn't know if I wanted to hear excessive complaining from a very successful <laughs> film and comedic actor whose stuff yeah. I've not greatly 
enjoyed. Uh, you know, there's been some hits that I've I've liked, but you know, the the overall output of Adam Sandler, I would not say I'm a fan. So it took me well past video. It was years after this came out before I, I watched it, and uh, I didn't remember liking it that much then. I may have liked it more now because I guess I had forgotten how unlikable Adam Sandler is in this movie. And I kind of dug <laughs> yeah. that. I kind of liked that he's, he's like an unrelenting prick uh, throughout, as you said, the excessive runtime, especially if you're going with the unrated kind. Uh, this is medicine. I don't know. I'm sick. One of those girls have chlamydia. I thought she smelled funny. Is that what it is? Yeah. A weird blood disease. AML. It's a form of leukemia. This is experimental medicine from Canada. There's an 8% chance of it working. So fuck me. Well, that's not true, because if it was, I would have read about it or heard about that. You didn't hear about it because I didn't fucking run out and tell entertainment tonight. Well, why would you tell me? Because I don't really know you, Ira. I think you're not going to get too weird about this. I don't want to start getting treated like the guy who's going to die. So, anyways... This shit's got a lot of caffeine in it. They say that's good for you when you take the medicine. Why are you telling me this, George? Because I want you to possibly do me a favor. Okay, yeah, what? Kill me. What? Nobody knows we know each other. You're a stranger. You can get away with this. I got a gun in the other room. It's untraceable. I'll give you $50,000. Don't make me suffer. Please. Kill me. Begging you. Can you at least give me like a night to think about it? Ha! Think about it? You would do it! Oh, I hate you, man. Oh, no! Ira, I misread you. You're sick. You're a murderer. Oh, screw you wanted to do it. Oh, man. What would you have done for $100,000? Chop my head off? You still want to do it. <laughs> that wasn't even good acting over there. <laughs> that fuck? was good acting. Daniel Day Lewis would have crushed that speech. I bought that, man. Wow. Don't have to kill me, but I am gonna die. Look, George. Look, honestly, I'm Don't like, I'm like a really gullible guy. Look, my right. friends—they tricked me all the time. One of my roommates told me he was Joe Pesci's son. I believed him for three years. I still get shit for it. So, just please level with me, man. Are you I serious? Am serious. Don't tell anybody about this, though. All right? I want it to be our secret. You're gonna make me some eggs, okay, murderer? Just try not to kill any of the staff while I'm gone, okay? They have family. Yeah. The my my biggest problem, you know, I've, I think I've come to grips, and, and oh, like I'm done uh, complaining about Adam Sandler because he he knows what he's doing, and the the, the awards uh, season for Uncut Gems kind of proved it. It's like he's aware that he's making crappy films, and he doesn't mind, and he doesn't mind that his audience, I guess, doesn't mind, and so he also in works terms with of his quality, friends a lot too. I mean, yes. he gets to hang he, out. He gets paid to, you know, hang out with the company he prefers, which is and most he, people would like. And he gets his friends paid as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like on some level, I understand it. Um, and there was a really great um, uh, red letter media video about, oh God, was it was it Jack and Jill where they kind of bury the movie as if the movie needed burying, but they actually take a deep dive into it and and go through the product placement and they did like a checklist beforehand what they think or is going to be in this movie and and sure enough mm. all the checklist very formulaic so i 
I'm aware they, and then once in a while we get a punch drunk love or we get, you know, um, again, uh, uncut gems. Like I, uh, I genuinely think that his performance in uncut gems was the best of the year. And it's frustrating because like, I loved Adam driver, like so many, so much good stuff. And of course, and Joaquin, I'm like, okay, he, he needed an Oscar, I guess. I guess that's the one that they decided. <laughs> that's a very uh, funny um, people response. It's like, we feel sorry for Joaquin. He needs a little pick me up in his, in his profession. <laughs> Let's honor him with a, right. a trophy. Well, he's been doing good work for a while, and and yeah. so, but but yes, like just quickly on Adam Sandler, it's like I'm I don't feel the need to continue to complain about it. My my annoyance with this film and also Trainwreck to a lesser extent, Trainwreck, but this one especially goes a little deep more more against Apatow. Like, did you like Apatow's work prior to Funny People? I I really really liked Forty Year Old Virgin, and that was one mm-hmm. much like Funny People. I came to very late. I ignored it completely uh, when it had its theatrical run, and that's for for most people. Of course, if you're listening to a movie podcast, um, you're probably more on our side. But you know, if I if I said that to normal folk, they'd be like, "Well, yes. I, I ignore most movies that come out. I don't, you know, I catch them on TV years later. How? Why are you? Why are you? Yeah. Uh, you know, framing it in such a way? But I'm I'm trying to uh, remind the listeners that I pretty much watch everything and have almost my entire adult life. So when I just choose to be like, "No, I'm passing on that," mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's I've been very late to the game on Judd Jed Apatow, and I think I came so late the the backlash had already begun so i felt more comfortable like coming cuz i already knew uh that the run times were long that yeah. much like adam sandler which i guess well, the way funny people starts is going back to when they lived together as roommates and you have these yeah. like prank calls that they were doing just to amuse themselves and each other um that you know he seems to like to work with people that he's had some prior connection with but 40 year old virgin I don't know if it's the Steve Carell effect or maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it just finally aligns more with my sensibilities, dare I say it, your sensibilities, where the, that collector mentality, that like yes. love of pop culture that other people, if you get too enthusiastic about it, they're going to look at you kind of sideways like you are a freak. Yeah. I connected with that one more so than, uh, you know, Adam Sandler, hair, successful comedian, train wreck amy schumer playing a version of herself obviously you her and i don't have that much in common um so that's probably the one and i don't know is that a cheat because that was his first uh directing gig right that was the first i know i know he's had a long run as far as a writer and producer but i'm thinking that was his first feature film uh wait train wreck no, forty year old version. Yes, that was his first directing, yeah. and okay. and yeah, and train wreck is the first one that he hasn't written, but I feel like Amy Schumer is a product of that Apatow brand of comedy. I don't want to give take anything away from Amy Schumer, but I feel like Apatow's influence over the past like decade or so has been, I think, an incredibly negative one on on. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I, I won't let you continue, but it's so yeah. funny. I had no idea what your viewpoint was on on Judd Apatow or any of these these yeah. films, other than uh, when you sent me an unprompted rant about Eric Bana being the world's worst <laughs> actor when you were watching Munich, which is a film I love, <laughs> one of my favorite Spielberg movies. I said that's a guy I want to talk funny people with because <laughs> he, he comes in the third act as the ultimate like asshole uh with his his native tongue um, yeah but previously like in the early days of war machine versus war horse we're talking like two months in 
Yeah. Uh, we had tried our hand at some difficult material. Uh, you know, we had done, um, what was our first one? We had done a primer, uh, is like our first, first film. Okay. Not easy to talk about when you're new to podcasting, not easy to, uh, to kind of wrap your head around. And we had an episode where I was doing 40 year old virgin and something else. I can't remember what the other comedy was. And I thought it was like, this is a layup episode. We'll get in. We'll tell some stories. We'll have some laughs. And the yeah. two people I had on my co-hosts and the guests said, I hate this guy. I hate his comedy. There's nothing funny here. Like this is a waste of everyone's time. And so I just tend to have, apparently I gravitate towards people when it comes to podcasting about Judd Apatow's filmography that they, they, they have a distaste for it. So like, I'm not blaming you, but you're, you're kind of coming right. in saying like, yeah, this, this wasn't for me either, which is strange. Cause he's been, he has been very successful at least as far as oh. these mainstream films. Yeah, absolutely. And And here's the thing. I I love Freaks and Geeks. I can watch that show over and over. Extremely relatable. But that's but I, I also credit Paul Feig quite a bit mm -hmm. for for its inception and, and kind of um the kind of the heart that goes into that uh, show. And then the four year old version, I kinda was the same way. I found it later on D V D and I was like, Oh, this is good and this is after Steve Carell kind of blew up the office. And it was a bunch of no names, uh, outside of the fact that it's like, Oh hey, that person was in um uh, undeclared or that one it was in Freaks and Geeks and so it was like I we had that connection Ultimately, and then Knocked Up was kind of in my height of Seth Rogen uh, fandom like I, I absolutely like he couldn't do no wrong like I, I was there the first showing midnight release of Observe and Report I was I was right there. I was like, this is at with, the end of the film. I was like, this is a masterpiece with the, with the other freaks that were there for that. <laughs> yep, um, I was I was in Houston, Texas, uh, visiting family at the time, and I'm like, no, I need to go see this film. It's it's a Seth Rogen uh, flick, and and ultimately, like, I still I think I watched Knocked Up a few months ago, and actually still enjoyed it because it's it's it is. A comedy that ultimately changed its tone, like halfway or the final act, and it kind of works. And Four Year Old Virgin stays a comedy for the most part throughout. And then I feel like Apatow, you know, once he can attach his name to Drill Bit Taylor and a bunch of other crap, ultimately he doesn't care anymore. And so. But is that the... like Spielberg attaching his name to like Transformers and stuff? Is that just him, Ugh. you know, getting paid? Like, hey, you're the. You're the comedy guy, so can we please uh, give you some money, roll it up to your, your house, and we get to use your name on the poster? Well, see, with Spielberg, because he's done so many classics, like, I feel like you, you earn that after a lifetime <laughs> of, of you know, a filmography that has Jaws. And, you earn and... the right to be a whore? Is that what you're saying? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's like, whatever De Niro does next, like, it doesn't matter. He's De Niro. You know, he can do... You know, another along what's it, what's it, the Fockers movie. He can do any of those, and it, it doesn't matter because he gave us Godfather and, and Cape Fear and Raging Bull and all the other uh, wonderful films. I, Apatow, I, I don't know. And here's the thing: I'm aware if if this brand of comedy is your cup of tea, then go for it. Comedy is one of those things like it's hard to talk about objectively. But I, the crux of my argument here is that it, it, he's not – he's either not a good writer or he's a lazy writer. And one of the things – and this is something that was in the documentary Diaries for Funny People where even Rogan was like, yeah, it's great working with Apatow <laughs> because he comes in with a blueprint 
and you get to inject mm. whatever it is that you want throughout the script. And Apatow himself even says that one scene where Leslie Mann has to, I think, tell or um, she's talking with Adam Sandler. They're, they're finally kind of reuniting. And she's like, I'm really excited to see what Leslie Mann will give us in this scene because like, I, I just don't know. Like, you wrote the script, motherfucker. Yeah, you should know what she's going to give you. And so it's just an idea of, hey, please go and, and convey these feelings and inject whatever it is that you want in terms of the actual words. It's like, no, you do the work. You wrote the movie, didn't you? And this is – and then the improvisation that occurs where it's like, oh, yeah, just joke about this for a while and then I'll cut it later. I don't like that at all. This is – like, I'm a – <laughs> a very purist, a pre-weed Kevin Smith guy. This is the script, and you're going to stick to the script because I wrote it and I know what uh, uh, what it is. I And then, you know, Zach and Miri came out, and then that was it. <laughs> I, I like that you, you put that in there, like, as far as, like, yeah, okay, mistakes were made. That, that process <laughs> is also not perfect. Well, right. So what do you make of, like, if, if we love Freaks and Geeks, and, um, you know, I think, like, 40-Year-Old Virgin... Um, knocked up. Uh, you could even go to the, what was this, the spinoff? This is forty of knocked up. This is up. forty. Yeah. Oh god, that's another one that needed to be edited down. But do you? The, so the difference. I mean, the run times are always long. Even even what is yeah. Trainwreck? I feel like Trainwreck is still over two hours. A little over two. Over, okay, like okay eight, so it's five or eight. Minutes. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. Um, do you prefer when he's working on the clearly more personal stuff like? Uh, funny people, which is, I assume, like, I don't think that's based on his life experience, but I think it's based on people he's observed in that, that field as far as their, their stage presence and then how they are personally. But with Trainwreck and now King of Staten Island coming out, Trainwreck seems like this is Amy Schumer's persona and this is based mm -hmm. on her life. And King of Staten Island is like, clearly it's like Pete Davidson as far as the loss of his father. Like, there's like that, this is a yeah. version of him. It's weird that he's now. He is kind of applying, I guess, his name and maybe, I guess, comedy that he appreciates. But it seems like he's moved away from his own personal experiences and now sort of shepherding other people's to uh, to feature film status. I don't – well, I would say Funny People is definitely his most personal work because he started off as a, a stand-up comic. And so he, like the Ira character, Seth Rogen's like, – like, it seems like he's drawing upon his own experiences mm -hmm. and then also discussing the Adam Sandler level of comedic fame. So I would say no, I don't like that, and here's why. It's again – and I get something that he says in the, in the behind the scenes where it's like it's hard to make a comedy that's really more of a drama than it is a comedy. Yeah, yeah, it is because it's in, <laughs> incoherent. You're right. Like why are you doing it? Make one or the other. So I constantly – and this is a, an issue that, that I saw more in Trainwreck, but it kind of – he allows himself to do it. Like there's a really powerful emotional scene and then he decides like, well, this isn't funny enough, so I'm going to have a joke here. And with funny people, he does that through just stand-up comedy bits, mm. which are not really funny. Like I truly – the art of stand-up comedy is a big deal to me. Um, like the original uh, Seinfeld, I'm telling you for the last time, is I think one of the most perfect uh, sets I've ever heard. Rodney Dangerfield's No Respect is amazing. George Carlin's work. So it's like the like I really have a deep respect for stand-up comedy. And so a lot of the stand-up comedy that's in Funny People is very uh, uh, apropos of what's happening today where it's just, you know, dick and fart jokes. And, and, it, and it's just like going from – You have Sandler's character 
call out uh, the Seth Rogen character of Ira, like, can you get up there and please just not mention your dick for once? Like, do you ever want yeah. to get late? Like, do you ever want to, uh, you know, have some uh, glimmer of uh, celebrity or fame where people yeah, may right. aspire to want to sleep with you? Like, <laughs> it's crude, but it's also like, is that not part of it? Um, I, I think that's always hard because seeing it uh, sitting in a theater is very different from going to a comedy club as far as the energy level, the expectation that I'm here to laugh and share a laugh with other people, that intimacy right. is completely removed. So anytime in this one, I, I think you and I both watched the longer cut of funny people mm -hmm. for this conversation. At least you te text me and ask and stupidly yeah. I'm like, I just clicked play like iTunes <laughs> 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 folder. Like, <laughs> um, but you know, having more of it does not, does not help because then you, you start to judge the characters like, well, he doesn't seem that talented. Why am I spending that yeah. much time with him? He doesn't seem like an up and comer. He didn't make me laugh in that, that brief time I saw him up there. Right. But yeah, when he's mentioning <laughs> as if it's the first time anyone's attempted it, the melding of comedy and drama. Right. Yeah. If he's, his filmography seems to me that he's striving to be like James L. Brooks is what he's going for. Yes. I, I read a critic try to compare him to that. And I'm like, James L. Brooks, come on. I recently rewatched um, As Good As It Gets. I love because that it's movie. What, love that movie. It's, I think it's the – I remember watching that movie on TBS, and my father was with me at the time, and he said, are you enjoying this? And I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, that's odd. This isn't a film I expected you to enjoy. And and that was the first time I'm like, wow, there's more than you know The Mummy Returns in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you weren't wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you so actually had it pegged. <laughs> the Mummy Returns is it. <laughs> no need for more movies. It was the first time that I was like, oh, my God, you can do so much more to cinema than than just um, digitize the rock. So I was I was <laughs> I was thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> I was thrilled um, to go through that film for the first time. And it's something I continuously, uh, I think, revisit now that I have it on iTunes um, that I will be doing. I don't want I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. You can go to your apartment. It's nicer than mine. No, look, my parents had a saying, don't go to bed angry. We're angry. Let's resolve this. OK, your parents weren't that happy. They're very happy. Fine. You want to talk about it? You want to get into it? Yes. But let's get into all yes, of it right please. now. OK, let's do it. OK, I'll start. You go down on me too much. What? Yeah, it's selfish. No, it is actually selfish because, you know, you act, don't look like I'm crazy. You act like it's for me, but really it's just to show how great you are. Like you're always helping people. So I shouldn't go down on you as much? Don't try and spin this as a way to not go down on me as much. That's ridiculous. Of course I want you to go down on me that much. So take it down a notch? No, down keep going down on me. Forget this whole part of the argument, okay? Forget that. So what, what were some of your uh, issues with train wreck because I, I you know it doesn't seem like funny funny people seems like uh, you said it's his most personal but i think it's also like could be accused of the most uh excess uh yeah. from from aftal and train wreck even though i did have to check the run runtime because it did it does feel a little a little long just because of the various subplots and um i've seen this one a few times uh, even though I claimed it as one of my biggest disappointments of 2015, because yeah. this was like this was like the summer movie for me, strangely that year. Where I'm like, I, I'm all about uh, sex comedies. I'm all about mm -hmm. seeing people have sex on screen and being goddamn proud of it. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't, and that's something that I struggle with as far as Aptal's. He's got a really like sort of conservative family unit bent, even to these like crass people who comes with comes up with like going back to Knocked Up. 
it is about them becoming a family together, which is fine. I think that film works. But he also, like a lot of comedy writers, seems to be kind of afraid of sex, in particular, like kind of older white men. It seems like if sex comes into it, they're looking at it from the perspective like they got away with a robbery. Like it's something that shouldn't have happened to them. So people going out there and achieving it freely, like an Amy Schumer, it's like they're yeah. looking at an alien species that they don't fully comprehend, that, that agency. It's, it's funny that you mentioned all that because the behind the scenes for funny people where he has to film the sex scene with Leslie Mann, he states that he loves filming his wife in those <laughs> scenarios. He's like, I think I'm a voyeur or something, but I love doing it. I, I don't get uncomfortable at all. I'm, I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> as far as his proclivities in the in the bedroom but yeah. uh yeah just generally speaking like with with train wreck it's it's one that has improved for me on repeat because i had such high expectations for it yeah. uh but there are still issues and uh there's still extraneous characters like tilda swinton here for me and ezra miller oh, that gosh. stuff just just really grinds it to a halt every time i watch it um, uh, yeah I, I wrote down notes for both of these films and one of the things that i touched upon funny people that that train wreck is extremely commits this sin is that the jokes for no reasons um all the emo, all the like dramatic stuff in train wreck works really well for me and that's mainly because brie larson is just so good um she doesn't have the um i feel like even like so i would call her like a dramatic actress as far as like the, yes. the type of stuff that she she takes and usually the problem like i remember going back to kevin smith because i feel like anytime you're not podcast eventually we might as well just say this is a Kevin Smith podcast and there's other <laughs> movies that he unrelated to him that stumble into it. Uh, yeah. Matt Damon in particular on dogma was very concerned about being funny. He's like, I, mm. but I'm not, he's like, I'm not like a comedy actor. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't think I have that skill set. And they're like, no, just, just act. Just, you know, if you're playing a guy that's kind of a jackass and a smart ass, yeah. And you know how to relay that to audiences. They will come across as funny. And I think he is very good as, as Loki in Dogma. Uh, but Brie Larson, she's not even being asked to do that. She's being asked to just mm-hmm. kind of center this into some yeah. sort of reality. And I, I like how unforced her performance is as the, yes. you know, basically the uh, the boring sister, I guess, is how she's she's kind of put out there with her, her husband that <laughs> is consistently made fun of by Amy Schumer as, as her settler in some way. Who I love, Michael Biglia is one of the funniest people. Like, have you seen his last two stand-ups on Netflix? I th- it, I'm pretty it, sure the only experience I have with him is uh, Sleepwalk with Me. I think that's the only thing I've seen of his. I I highly recommend. Uh, okay. Thank God for Jokes and the uh, the new one, which is called the new one. Both uh, the both the two are a great double feature, and and it kind of shows you what a stand-up comedy from uh, I can't even like from Pete Davidson is versus from an actual comedian mm. uh so like it's it's structured uh there's a reason for it and there's an overarching like story he writes it the way like you would a one-man show essentially like an actual film but one thing that train does especially in those uh dramatic scenes with brie larson is the jokes for no reason when she tells her father that oh she's pregnant yeah, that old guy who's just there, you know, was that your wife? Like, why is that in the scene? And, and um, like, uh, you know, back in my day, it was something about theaters. I can't remember whatever his comment was or he went to a baseball game. I don't remember what he said, but it happened to be in the middle of that conversation for no reason. Why is that there? The <laughs> so whole point of You genuinely is... feel agitated at the interruption. Like you're, <laughs> you're yeah. in the middle of something and why is he? Yes. Yeah, I get you. 
And then uh, the same thing happened with Tilda Swinton's character in the uh, um, in the funeral scene. Um, Amy Schumer gives a really moving, dramatic, and, and poignant eulogy. Uh, does a really good job, and then cut to Tilda Swinton in the audience at the funeral, and she says, "Makes me wish they found my father's re- remains." And I'm like, "Is why is that in this? Why is that here? It completely disrupts the scene." Um, and then there's a uh, God, I'm sorry, there's another scene. Um, it just happens to be. It might be one of those in between cross cutting where you just see the outside of uh, where Amy Schumer lives, and you hear Dave Attell yelling, "Come on, give me a nickel! I'm crowdfunded." Why is that there? Like, it's as if Apatow's like, "We don't have a joke in this scene." Like, yeah, motherfucker, you don't write jokes. You expect <laughs> your actors. To... That's unfair because Amy Schumer technically wrote this film. But why are these things in Trainwreck? So anytime I'm enjoying the film, something comes along, and I feel like I want I want to blame Apatow because he's the director. Ultimately, if film fails, I usually point to the director. Do you think uh, that's his TV background? As far as uh, I, I just watched, it's actually pretty cool little special on uh, ABC uh, called The Happy Days of Gary Marshall. And it was basically just a a remembrance of him from all the people who are like so incredibly gracious about the career that he sort of bestowed upon them, like Julie Roberts, uh, Anne Hathaway, people like that that say basically I owe my success to him and what he saw in me. And uh, and so considering the sort of wealth of material he has working from starting on like the Dick Van Dyke show all the way up, uh, it was really cool. But it – it was weird. So watching that and then moving on to this episode, you know, the, the web special uh, with, with Apatow, I'm looking at it as far as like, wow, it does feel like because in TV, in those interviews, they would say like, OK, we need we need a new character. Like, you know, it's, it's getting a little stale, yeah. a little stiff. People are going to be looking around like, yeah, we know these guys enough. So who can we introduce? And I guess I had forgotten that, like, you know, uh, Mork from Mork and Minnie was a happy days yes. creation, Laverne and Shirley, all these things. And they're like testing it out. And I think with that form, you understand why the main cast would suddenly be subservient to the, the guest star. Cause it's like, okay, yeah. let's see if this takes. Unfortunately, when you put that in a feature film, I totally agree with you where it's like, what are you, what are you testing out? Like a Tilda Swinton spinoff here? Like get, get this out of my face. Right. Honestly, that sometimes it feels that way. Cause that's what happened with uh, getting to the Greek. Uh, that's a complete spinoff from uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I really like Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That is like a comfort loved, food movie for me. That's because um, Nick Stoller and and um, Jason Siegel are such a good combination. Like I even loved uh, with the five year engagement. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I like that was excellent. It, that one does overstates welcome, but I still uh, find it quite good. I, I remember he I was loses his foot or something or loses a toe. I felt like, Oh yeah. I don't know about this. I also yeah. uh, was a little uncomfortable when that was uh, in release because I was in a long-term relationship with my the time girlfriend. And I felt like I was getting the eye about me also like kind of holding up <laughs> like us moving forward. <laughs> so, but now I can watch it comfortably as a, as a married yeah. man. Maybe I. <laughs> I'm sure you'd still get the eye roll. Like, did I you really when... have to wait that yeah, long? Yeah, this is yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, I I watched that movie alone in the theater because it was I was in grad school at the time and I had nobody to go with and nobody was interested. Another one of those late night, um, early, um, again it was a height of I think How I Met Your Mother, um, back when the show didn't. I don't want to suck, but. 
the, the latter seasons happen to be quite arduous. Very Apatowish. By the I end. think you you almost waved me off. We have like a very uh, um, it, it's like a we we have our own uh cheap charts iTunes battery where one of us is like the the pitcher and catcher as far as calling the signs and the other one waving it off like no no I don't want, no this is no good change it up <laughs> and I told you like hey I'm gonna purchase How I Met Your Mother for I think it was yeah. about thirty bucks. It was thirty, yeah. And you were like, "Well, okay, yeah, you're getting this many seasons for this price, but you have to kind of take out the last so many." So, but it's fine. It's fine. I have I told you about um, two guys, a girl, the pizza place. Like what I did with that last finale. No, no. I, I remember okay. tweeting you like because as a friend, when I saw yeah. someone talking about it, I'm like, "Well, this is web material. I need to know what yeah. the expert thinks." Uh, because um, the show, I, I try to find, if the show runs too long, I try to find a stopping point where I'm like, I'm happy with this ending. <laughs> like Dexter, end of season four. That's yep, it. Yep. No more. Because, uh, uh, again, spoilers, I guess, for Dexter. But, you know, um, his, he, his wife is killed by um, John Lithgow, and his son is in blood just like he was. It's, it comes full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, the cycle might start again. You never know. It's a dour ending, but whatever. With with two guys and a girl in the pizza place, and then by the end of the fourth season, two guys and a girl, they didn't know what to do or if they were going to get renewed, so they left it as a cliffhanger and filmed three different endings about who which major female character is pregnant. And with the DVD release, instead of giving any any kind of a finale, the last episode ends with all four endings. Like oh. each of them are pregnant or no one's pregnant. So what I did is when I ripped them so I can watch them on my phone... I edited the last episode for the ending that I prefer. <laughs> and, this and that's is, how. I'm... This is going yeah. back to why maybe you and I were like forty-year-old virgin. That now that I understand as far as that <laughs> <laughs> that connection to pop culture that most people thought as a passive activity that is meant to be disposed right. of. Uh, you're still, but there's that. Uh, um, meaningful. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't. That's one thing I I don't know. It's strange. Like in this context, I prefer train wreck to funny people as far as the actual content I'm getting. And, Me too. Uh, but as a whole, like when I asked you the question of like, hey, should Aptal move away from the personal and just, yeah. uh, you know, be be a craftsman, like sort of not not like he's a hired hand purely, but, you know, he's he's finding new voices and putting a light on them instead. I actually prefer the the former. I prefer him sticking with trying to grind out those personal stories and to go mm. back to Kevin Smith. Like I think that's what I kind of lament about his move into podcasting so much is it seemed like the uh, the failures he had was like Zach and Mary or, or Tusk or something like that. He really really took those about as hard as maybe you and I were, and that's something I don't expect yeah. from very successful filmmakers who have had long and storied careers that they could actually look at it and be like, man. No one wants to hear what I have to say anymore. And I'm like, no, no, we, we do. We just, you know, just listen to our podcast where we tell you exactly how we want it <laughs> right. and which ending we prefer. No, that's a good point. Uh, while I would like for Apatow to do more personal stuff, I don't know how much more he has in him. I feel like funny people is the perfect culmination of everything he has to say. I don't know what else he has to say because he's, he's best... achieved – like. That's that's an accusation that's lobbed against people who do achieve, uh, you know. I don't want to say he was like uh, an overnight sensation because he definitely was grinding yeah. it out behind the scenes yes. in comedy before his name. But can you think of like is there someone who's had a great like sort of golden age 
last act where they were successful for so long and they started to lose their edge or their perspective where they, they came back with something that just, just really recaptured, you know, that, that sort of that energy they had in their youth or that, uh, that hmm. perspective. Oh gosh. Clearly not Spielberg <laughs> with Munich for you. Cause you think his casting no. choices are terrible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I laughed more in Munich than I did in Funny People. That that, that cross-cutting is... scene with the with the sex and assassination at the end. Come on, like how like I couldn't keep a straight face. Much like Forty Year Old Virgin, I totally got it. I've had many a sexual encounter. Yeah. <laughs> <I've had> that, <laughs> that intensity. Well, he, he, he achieved the the moment of climax is when he's killing those people. I'm just I it, it was just a very weird. It's all it's all very weird. Um. Well, no, you know what? Spielberg has achieved a level of success, like consistent levels of success throughout. I, I don't think he is the perfect one. Um, gosh, I, I'm not sure. You know, JCVD is one of those films. I feel like Jean-Claude Van Damme found success early on and then, you know, Universal Soldier and, and, and I don't know, Time Cop. Well, whatever films he did in like the late 90s, like people, people were done. And then all of a sudden JCVD shows up and he's a everyone – like, oh, he's back. Well, I've been watching old Jean-Claude Van Damme films. They're not that good to begin with. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know why his name pops up in my head right now. Um, I, I think this is the right move for Apatow, though, to channel other people's work. Because I think this is him kind of giving back almost. Where it's like, okay, like I've told my stories. Let me tell Amy's story or let me tell Pete's story. Um, but – I, I just hope he's choosing the right individuals. I think Amy Schumer was the right individual, even though the film feels very much like a diluted version of the current brand of comedy. Mm -hmm. And also there's a little bit too much of um, references being the punchline because there, there's two of them in, in Trainwreck. And I remember complaining about this uh, when the movie first came out and it sticks out even more. She uses Game of Thrones twice as a punchline. Like you remember like in Game of Thrones, like that's the joke. There's a joke in the show Black Adder that I love. Some some character is being snarky uh, because he's not letting the main character get away with something. And so he says to him, I wasn't born yesterday. And the main character replies, oh, it's a shame we could have started your personality from scratch. It's like that's the kind of clever banter that I require in a comedy. It's like, I don't need you to, hey, remember, you know, the, the doctor and funny people just telling him, yippee-ki-yay, oh, I guess he went and watched Die Hard so he could get in on this reference joke. It's like, it's not, come on, man. Like, that's not a joke. You're, you're telling me things that you've seen and trying to apply them here. That's not a joke. You and I see a lot of... Just go with it with me last night. My wife wanted okay. to strangle me and Adam Sandler where he strangely – this film came out in 2011, Valentine's Day 2011. And he calls this kid uh, that's staring at him the kid from The Omen, which is – okay, that's fine. I, I've never seen The Omen, but I understand it. Uh, but then later on, he compares another character to something out of the omen and i'm like what is this a part of the narrative like is this this well, he's playing a plastic surgeon and there's no other references to the omen but it's just that second one where there's no child around where i'm like is this a guy that's obsessed with the omen how much material was left yeah. where adam sandler maybe that's just what he watched that weekend before they came mm -hmm. in to shoot and he's just like they're like do your stuff and that that is where the the improv goes wrong where you're like if it, it takes you out of the movie it's like what where, yeah. what is happening here uh, I'm also like, you know, I, I realized that I'm <laughs> complaining about something that is probably one of his like universally reviled 
movies. And I'm like, all right, that Oma material really didn't work. Otherwise, that, that was a great A comedy right there with Brooklyn Decker. A lot of Did you say that Adam Sandler plays a plastic surgeon? Is that what you just said? There's a weird opening where um, they really like – Adam Sandler in particular likes um, playing a man being left at the altar. Or mm. like, cause, uh, so you have the wedding singer, which obviously was a big hit. The first Lovely. scene is him with a huge, very distracting nose that they put on his character. Uh-huh. And it's like he was the ugly duckling. And uh, his he overhears his bride-to-be talking about cheating on him and basically just marrying him for, for money. And that that is supposedly like the, the, the reason, his like sort of James Bond backstory of why he can't commit – uh, is is that that this one woman this is Casino Royale? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I the only reason I had it on. I'm not just trying to like you know explain myself to you people, you dear yeah. listeners. But uh, I always wanted to watch the uh, the original Cactus Flower with Walter Matthau. So I'm doing it for a podcast oh, yeah, compared yeah. to much preferred that one. Uh, you know that you can find on the Criterion Channel, not <laughs> Brooklyn Decker's <laughs> feature film <laughs> debut, not on the Criterion. Um. What I was going to ask you, like uh, about Trainwreck, how do you think it's aged? Because that was definitely like, I guess as the kids would say, Amy Schumer was having a moment that was like through the yeah. height, and then certainly the backlash came for her. So, and she's not really had much success, like as far as becoming like the comedic uh, film actress. I, I feel like I think Melissa McCarthy had a string of hits after Bridesmaids, where it's like, okay, she's the she is the woman in comedy right now. And I'm just yeah. wondering uh, if you think that that's, you know, if it, it'll ever get away from that where it'll just be like a nice rom-com with a fantastic Bill Hader, fantastic Bill Hader in this. He's excellent, and it was just kind of a – almost like a precursor to him like doing stuff like Barry where it's like, okay, he's more than just an impressionist or mm-hmm. just a comedian, which is kind of the stigma of any SNL alum. Um, and before I move on, speaking of like act people who are trying really hard in train wreck in the funeral scene when amy is having her wonderful eulogy and she says but he was an awesome father there's a quick cut over to brie larson who very subtly rolls her eyes at that line and she's so in character i almost wonder if she was so deep in that method acting that it just came naturally to her or that it was a choice just wonderful and and bill Hader does quite a bit of uh, um Kind of that, as well as the requisite comedy. Um, it's it's frustrating. I, the stuff that Amy's done after Trainwreck, what was it? She did the Gold – was it with – not Goldie Hawn. There was one, was yeah. Uh, where they're like Snatched. kidnapped or something. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, it's funny you, you mentioned the original for Just Go With It. Uh, Goldie Hawn won – Maybe an Oscar for it. Anyway, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, they, yeah, that which is strange. Like, and it was actually pleasant to have that little factoid because it's a purely comedic performance in Cactus Flower. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, they can occasionally honor that uh, when it comes yeah. to award season. Amy um, did, yeah, that movie Snatch. She did. Uh, I feel pretty. Which we were the only two people the only that were fans two. of. <laughs> yeah, I. It's a good. There's a good message in it, and and I, I appreciate it. And it's also got a cast of. If, that that I appreciated as well. Her stand up, she has a couple stand ups after this, which I actually enjoyed. That they were they were just fine. Um, but you're right; uh, she hasn't been able to kind of recapture that level of uh, mainstream success. And maybe it's because people went into her material thinking that it was going to be more of train wreck, but it was a much 
edgier version. I, I, I can't quite explain it. I'm not sure why uh, she hasn't. Um, what did she do? Thank you for your service. What is this? She was really good in that. Very small part and not uh, funny at all. She's playing just a, a Weird. woman. Just, uh, just grieving. And I mean, it's very oh. like she's in it maybe for like five minutes or something. It was very strange, but it was it was really cool. I, w- I would check I, that out. I can and I can see that from her. Like again, her dramatic performance in Trainwreck was very good. Her comedic is fine. Um, oh my goodness, uh, which makes me sorry. My my mind's all over the place right now. What what did you think? What do you think of hiring these people who aren't normally comedians and just placing them in these comedic roles, like a James LeBron? James LeBron. What do you think? I like. What do you think? What do you think? Um, Boy, got a girlfriend. Like, man, it's been forever. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it's been a while. Yeah, it's, it's been like six years since Sheila. And yep. That only lasts like five weeks. Yep. There was Debbie. Debbie didn't even tell you where she lived. Yeah, she thought I was a psycho. She kept calling me Dexter. What I'm saying is, you got to go for it. Listen, Aaron, you need to focus if you want to take it to the next level. Right. You have to. Like, you got to give it everything you want if you want this one, man. It's like. When I lost the championship in 2011, I worked on my game twice as hard. Yeah. Worked on my post-up game, and we wound up winning the championship twice. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like that applies to me, but I, I appreciate the, the thought. Aaron, you, you have to take a risk. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you yeah. have to. It's like when I decided to go back to Cleveland, I wasn't totally sure they was going to welcome me back, man. But they did. They welcomed me back with open arms and an open heart. Yeah, they did. Again, I feel like that applies more to you. Um, like, I don't even live in Cleveland, but again, I appreciate the thought. Cleveland, Ohio? You talking the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Or maybe we go down to Canton to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know Superman was created in Cleveland? Yeah, no, I know Superman was created in Cleveland. You've told me that a number of times. You ever see Cuyahoga Sunset? No. Do you know Cleveland's great for the whole family? Yes, yes, yes I do. You tell me that all the time. You randomly just text me that. No, what's wrong with that? weird. It's weird. I got free texting. Why are you trying to always sell me on Cleveland? When are you going to come to Cleveland? I'll, 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 I'll come when I have the, uh, the time. I just don't have the time right now. I'll come when I have the time. I've just been really busy. You visit me in Miami all the time. Yeah, but that's Miami. I mean... What's the difference between Miami and Cleveland? It's, it's the same. You're right. It's the same. Exactly. Okay, so you, you had the salmon. About $14. What are you doing, man? Yeah, two Cokes. Dude, are you trying to split the bill? <laughs> look, look I, look, I told you those refills weren't yeah. free. No, 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 no. We're not splitting the bill. Pick up the check. Why do I have to pick up the check? Because you're LeBron James. Listen, don't look at me no differently now just because I got a little money. Like, I don't know how long this could last. Anything could happen. Right. I'm not about to end up like MC Hammer. Listen, you owe $32.43. You know what? I'm... I'll, I'll pay it, but you gotta no, pick no, up no, a no. check every once in a while. No, no, no. Don't, don't pay the whole thing. Just, just pay your part. It's better for our friendship. Equals forever. All right, all right, fine. All right, I'll put my credit card in. Put it, put a credit card in. We'll split it. That's what. I, that's what I'm talking. Fuck you. Think, Fuck you. I think I left my Fuck wallet. Fuck you. It's, it's Fuck right in the car. I think you can see the strings a little bit that they're not totally yeah. natural at it. Um, but I don't think there's anything natural about that relationship. So if you're uh, if you're playing yourself, uh, I think it's fine. If you're if you're playing. You know, your your persona uh and, and like decidedly against type like the this were easy i mean i'm sure you hate it the gags about uh downton abbey like you know the, the things you wouldn't expect oh, from yeah. lebron james or him being cheap you know and yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing i think that's fine john cena uh i i enjoyed him here just because um 
he's he's such a, a strange presence in Amy's life in that he's the nice guy that you wouldn't expect, right? right. We expect our nice guys uh, to, to be cruel in how oblivious they are. And he is oblivious to what's going on around him yeah. or how to interact with people. But they kind of flip it just enough to where uh, they, they make that relationship work for me where I'm I'm not just waiting for Amy Schumer to, to like dump him because I feel like he deserves it. I've, <laughs> as unnatural as those two are, it actually feels like a very natural conclusion to their relationship mm-hmm. is that they're just finally forced to actually talk to each other about right. what they're doing. It's I liked it. I, I, I mean, some of it can feel like easy visual gags of like, oh, yeah. look, here comes LeBron James playing pickup basketball with Bill Hader. Like, isn't that Which a funny Which I did image? enjoy that. Yeah, it was a funny image. Actually. You enjoy Bill Hader getting one shot to go in and then celebrating like a complete <laughs> a complete dickhead. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I actually, I'm, I'm going to switch over to funny people. Yeah. The only thing I really like enjoy, like even on like the first time and on rewatch is... Eric Bana, the guy you hate so much. Oh. Finish with the French shit we're into Espanola. Alright. China, man. Wow. You guys never see each other, huh? That must be rough. Right, rough on the kids. It's not ideal, but the kids like to eat, so. <laughs> you ever see this girl act before? She was quite the actress. Well, she's very good at pretending she still loves me, so <laughs> she's pretty good then. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Can't say I watch much of that Melrose play stuff, though. Well, I did see the Party of Five episode you're in. It wasn't really for me, you know? Well, it was down to me and Cameron Diaz for the lead part in The Mask. Cameron Diaz. That's my girl. She's a bloody top actress, isn't she? Hey, what was that film she was in with the bloody spoof in her hair? Something about Mary. Oh, I love that movie. She's so funny. It's about shit my panties in that one. Oh, there's not too many girls like this beautiful and sexy and funny and yeah the whole deal yes but cameron diaz you know he was originally a stand-up comic like he did sketch comedy apparently according to the documentary i can't see it i I mean i don't there's nothing in this here that makes me he feels kind of as awkward as an nba star coming into this but him i i really i really enjoy someone like playing like like a supreme asshole to the hilt and him forcing Seth Rogen and Adam Sandler to watch Australian football with him in his man cave. And then like explaining it to him, like, I don't know if you'd call him oblivious or he just doesn't care that it's something that they're clearly not into, but he, that, that guy, uh, I, I don't know what we're supposed to make of it as far as there being like the happy ending that Leslie Mann chooses to stay with him. Like, I think the ending there is neither dude, neither man needs to be like, you know, she she does not need to suffer with either of these two self-involved people that she seems to be attracted to or attracts. Yeah, but as soon as you add two kids, it becomes so complicated. The, I, I think she chose the path of least resistance. Not a fan of it. Not a fan of it. Yeah. She's I, I like Leslie Mann. She's she's a talented, funny lady, and uh, you know I, I also don't think she deserved her fate in uh, the Cable Guy either. I don't think she needs to, <gasps> to stay Great. with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> it's another Apatow written film. Um, so yeah. you hated, you hated every moment of oh. Australia's greatest comedy legend coming to, to, <laughs> to, to wreck our happy ending and funny people. I, no, I didn't hate every bit of it. It's just, see, he, oh gosh. Like, I don't think I can point to one Eric Vanna 
property and I'm like, oh, this is this is the one. This is this is his uh, masterpiece. I just don't like him very much as as an actor and comedian. So it's um, not your Hulk of choice, is what you're saying? No, no, he is not. He, you know, uh, again, more behind the scenes. I'm telling you, you got to watch this behind the scenes stuff with funny people because I think it'll make you appreciate how annoyed I am with this film. <laughs> like he, he also was talking about how Avatar was like, oh, yeah, I just love that. I don't have to read a script. I can just bullshit my way through this movie. He doesn't say that, but you know, he's implying it. And so there's behind the scenes stuff where he's uh, just saying things about Cameron Diaz and how hot she is in that um in in that sequence and all of the other actors and and, and Apatow, they're like eating it up they're just laughing like why are you laughing he didn't say anything funny or do anything funny and that's all that all that whole sequence is in the film so no i just and back to your point with matt damon like you trust the writer like if kevin smith wrote this and and he's not forcing me to be funny then i can go out and do this and and it will be funny even if i don't understand it let me tell a personal story a little anecdote of my life where i was the asshole which you know unfortunately for me i guess i have plenty that i can <laughs> go to my little file system and pull one out yeah. but that scene that you're referencing where uh uh he's he's really undercutting i guess uh what he has in his life with his his partner um by <laughs> I don't know, by being so stuck in being right on how attractive Cameron Diaz is that he doesn't realize uh, how much he's offending his, his wife there. And then he's trying to justify it by saying, like, well, I mean, that's that's Cameron Diaz, you know, like <laughs> yeah, basically saying you should have no expectation to ever match her <laughs> physical prowess. Uh, we were talking uh, when when Dave came to visit last summer, I was showing him. Uh, Juliet Naked was was Rose Byrne because I'm I'm a huge fan and happy and I, like I was early on that instant family sort of bandwagon and yeah. just re I really like her as a comedic actress very, very much like Leslie Mann and her energy and I've said this and it kind of embarrasses my wife but her comedic persona I'm not I'm not going back to damages days we're punting that but just like her work and like Neighbors Juliet Naked Instant Family is very much probably as close as you'll get to seeing my wife's presence on screen, that energy uh -huh. and that sort of uh, nervous energy at times, that enthusiasm, that, that, that heart, all of that thing, all those things I, I love about my wife. I'm seeing like that Rose Byrne, she looks nothing like Rose Byrne at all. Like very, very different builds and everything. And um, so as you know, guys do when they get together, you know, Dave's coming visit, we eventually get around to like, you know, who's your, Who's your who's your top five? Who's your your, your top ten? Yeah. Very much like Eric Bana. Like Yeah. <laughs> I had mine on I had an updated list on my phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like an early twenty twenty edition. Section that's <laughs> locked behind a password. And he, he actually mentioned Rose Byrne. He's like, Yeah, I think yeah, I think she would. And I, I felt a little bit of pride because I'm like, oh, I've had like good influence on Dave. Yeah. But I made the mistake. And now keep in mind, my, my wife's around during this whole conversation, and she's heard it a thousand times because I, I will show her my list and be like, what do you think? Do you think I have good taste or not? Yeah. Like, do you, are, do you approve of this, my my fantasy wanderings in my, my head? Yeah. Then I want to see hers, and, you know, then I critique, you know. Uh, her number one, I'll just out her, is John Krasinski. Like, by far, that's her, like, ultimate hall pass, which I, I think is pretty good. Good taste. Yeah. I. You don't? It's not Eric Bana. I should... like... <laughs> I I do appreciate that Bana is hopefully not on her list, but I think I prefer Halpert 
over Krasinski. Does that make really? sense? I would. Okay. Yeah. So we we cannot have some sort of sex life together because I would judge you for that. I I want the Michael Bay <laughs> jacked up Krasinski, the one that could have been <laughs> Captain America. So the mistake I made was when Dave was like, "Yeah, Rose Rose Byrne, yeah, yeah," uh, and I I replied after giving this long speech about how she's just like my wife, if you saw her on screen, I was like, really? I was like, I've never thought about her that way. And I, the look I got from her and I had to, I was on my heels, but I'm like, no, no, no. I just meant physically. Like we're just, this is just a meat market conversation. I'm just, you know, my wife's very tall, like tall women, Rose Byrne, not necessarily tall. Like, so I was definitely backpedaling and trying to dig myself out. That's the difference between me and this, this horrible husband and funny people was mm -hmm. I didn't dig in and try to like continue to make my partner feel right. bad. Yeah. I, th I think I'm still well, asking your, this. Your awareness, like I think it's, it's your awareness as well of the situation. Whereas, like some people who they 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 can't possibly imagine someone else being offended by what they're or saying. They're like bothered that someone gets offended. Like it's like you're taking yeah. up more of my time by having hurt feelings and like how dare you? Like <laughs> I'm trying to explain something to these men about Australian football. Uh, right. I don't know. I. I, I'm looking at uh, – I, I meant to pull up Apatow's uh, IMDb here, and instead I have uh, <laughs> Munich uh, up because I, I was just <laughs> – I expected a full-on assault from you on this. Such a strange one. Um, but I – About about Munich or about Banna? Both. <laughs> I'm definitely more protective over Munich because I just really adore well, that movie. With me, with Munich, like I – like Spielberg is on display as just being a complete boss. Like he he just has complete control of his craft. So all of like the violent set pieces are like brilliant and and, and very visually uh like almost visually tasteful. I don't know how else to say it. Like the first kill when the guy falls and he crushes his bottle of like wine and milk. Like just uh, things like that are really stand out to me. Um, but then it's it's intercut with these like banal. Uh, meditations on morality and then the last little bit where um eric Bana is kind of like hey i don't think all the stuff that we did back there was kosher um <laughs> okay you may you may have me on that being a better ending if they can't catch you with, like, with one gag one that would be the judd apatow thing like hey this scene's not funny Can we, i know we're talking about some serious shit but let's yeah. have one joke in there but it's like i i wish that these realizations were happening over the course of the film and there were it also boy it is a long film for me and i i don't want to like i love the ten commandments i think it's a great film the remake that uh demille did and that's like a four-hour film so i don't want to blame the runtime but ultimately it just it feels exhaustive you know um james gray would say that a film feels slow only if like you don't care about what's happening on screen and so maybe that's what maybe that's what it was again I'm not messing with the politics of Munich. It's just more um, just the way the content was presented to me, even even though I can appreciate the craft. I had one last bit on uh, Apatow, which is uh, now that I am uh, I'm conceding uh, the fact that Munich should have ended with a joke <laughs> to you. 40-Year-Old <laughs> uh, Virgin, 2005. Knocked Up, 2007. Funny People, 2009. This is 40, 2012. Trainwreck, 2015. Uh, this would be the longest since you know he became like an above the title comedy director, and I don't know if that's the changing landscape of comedy mm -hmm. kind of being phased out theatrically, no longer being like 
event status, which is weird to see some of the numbers on these comedies when you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago to see the opening weekends they had. Uh, yeah. King of Staten Island. Uh, I, I I'm wondering if that's you know what you're saying that maybe he's just kind of tapped out of the sort of personal experience, and so he doesn't have that sort of that that drive to like I've got to get this story out there because I've been waiting to tell this story for so long. Uh, mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of dabbling. A lot of TV. He did an Avett Brothers uh, documentary on that that band. I did a 30 for 30 episode. So I mean, he's got a lot of you know. And, and he the did fire. a. Gary Shandling, the two-parter on HBO, that's like a passion project because he was very close with Shandling. Is from what I read, is this a version of Gary Shandling, this Adam Sandler character? You know, I I think it's easy to dismiss it because it's obviously a version of Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. But um, it's possible. I would say it's still more close to Adam Sandler because you just you can't see anybody else. You can't see Gary Shandling making Merman or Redo, you know. Right. But do you think that's is are people being dismissive of possibly the the darkness or the maybe the sadness of Adam Sandler's life mm. as a professional that they're like, well, it can't be him because look at the shit he makes. It's got to oh, be some oh. other comedic genius that they <laughs> they, they, they put all the, the dramatic bits on, which, I mean, could be incredibly unfair to the man. I, I don't know. I've just seen a lot of like, oh, this must have been based more kind of what you were saying when Aptow was younger, that he, he got his, uh, you know, his start as such yeah. as far as with Gary Shandling working on his, no, that, his shows. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I could see that. I can't imagine. I don't really recall much of Shandling's career a late career outside of a key member of Hydra. Like I, I'm trying to think. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Iron Man too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering what it is that he did after the, uh, the Gary Shandling show. Like, did he do much after that? I don't know. Did you no ever idea. see, uh, th- this is not, uh, that, that an answer to your question, but there was a, um, a failed, I guess, comedy interview show with Ricky Gervais where he would interview different comedians. And it was it aired over in the, the UK, so I don't know if they had some sort of deal for it over here. Mm. But basically, Gary Shandling single-handedly ended that program. I, I highly recommend you check it out. I found it on okay. YouTube. And okay, it is Ricky Gervais attempting to interview him and Gary Shandling basically shutting him down. And so all of the, the sort of staginess of the Ricky Gervais persona of saying like, you know, obnoxious or kind of uncomfortable things. And then kind of <laughs> doing the Jim Halpert thing, like looking at the camera, like what a cheeky boy I am. <laughs> Gary Shandling is like agitated and is like, it, it is, it would be like, uh, you know, this is not going to be topical when this releases, but the the last dance documentary with Jordan, like the the fact that he yeah. always had to motivate himself with these perceived slights or made up slights by people who are lesser than him. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you the gift of seeing the the last dance, the comedy version where Gary Shandling takes a, a slight from Ricky Gervais and just completely demolishes him for like 10, 15 completely uncomfortable minutes. It is phenomenal stuff. Oh, perfect. Great stuff. All right. I see, I see it here like 47 minutes. Like I can't wait. I'm <laughs> yes. so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Ricky Gervais is another character who I, I give him all the credit in the credit in the world for the office. Like in that first, that those two series in the Christmas specials, like absolutely brilliant and even extras extras is quite good as well. And since then it's just been one uh, attempt after another. Um, he plays a go, uh, what's it? Uh, a dolphin in a family guy episode, like a purposely super annoying dolphin. Mm-hmm. And 
it's like that. He's not even playing the dolphin. That's him. And, and, and I get it. Like he, all the golden globe hostings. And it's just like, I think we, we had our fill. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's the, the best thing we can say about Aptow is that he seems to embrace the collaborative nature. I mean, sometimes yeah. a little too much of it. It seems like he enjoys everyone's uh, input so much. But, you know, I, I never think that he's not being genuine as far as him. He's, he's chasing that next yeah. laugh uh, that I appreciate. I, I don't know. This this is just a case where it's like uh, just needs he just needs an editor, just needs a, a, a strong hand there. He and, and and I'm not again. I'm not saying that Apatow isn't funny. Uh, I I guess I was saying he's not a good writer, but ultimately, <laughs> like he is very talented. And I think like a Kevin Feige, somebody who is like he can put together a project. Well, now I get to tag this episode with it. We do talk a little <laughs> bit about the MCU, the future of it. Will Kevin Feige not only take over Star Wars, will he take over the Apatow universe? Oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> that's who he needs. A Kevin, yeah. Ultimately, like I, I respect him so much, and and I think more so than anything else, what upsets me about funny people more so than Trainwreck. Because Trainwreck, I'll, I'll I'll give a lot of uh, a lot of the. No, gosh, it, it is Amy Schumer's baby. I think ultimately more so than Apt Aptow's, just like the person who's like presenting it, which is odd. You'd think that Amy Schumer would want like a female director to do something like that or someone who was she could connect with more but i guess apatow has the name but i'm more disappointed in here comes the, in the funny people the parental tone of funny yeah. people some people have, re was... have rediscovered it or they're writing clickbait articles i saw it when i was just googling because i was like what was the response to this because my the reputation was oh it's too long it's yeah. not that funny um but well I, it's not that funny because as, as uh, Apatow mentioned in the documentary, the diaries, it's like funny isn't really funny. It's more like odd. Like he, he goes to great length to point that out. It's like I, it, they're funny people. I, I think uh, this is where you and I, I wish there was an alternate universe where we were studio executives and we're sitting there with these looks on our faces when he's trying to pitch yeah. this to us. Uh, I want to make yeah. a, a Adam Sandler's a movie called Funny People that's not that funny. <laughs> and you start, you know, you're going through the line items on the budget, and you start subtracting things. Like, <laughs> okay, then. He's like, I want to give Aziz Ansari a half hour special about his fake character. He's like, I don't think we can. I don't think we have the oh, money, bro. No, no, that, that, <laughs> come that, on, Judd. Those were charm times with the, uh, as you said, get him to the Greek. We got a spinoff from a character yeah. from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I say that as the president or vice president, you of the Forgetting Sarah Marshall fan club. That is still strange <laughs> yeah. that that ever happened. Yeah, it, it, the budget for funny people is like seventy million. There you go. Like, now you're getting you're into, kidding me. You're getting into James L. Brooks territory. You're getting. I think Spanglish was something like eighty to hundred million dollars. Oh God, <laughs> how much of that went to Adam Sandler? You think? And that movie didn't make its money back. No, but he. I mean, his uh, his aughts. Uh, he was a, a dominant force at the box office. So, I mean, I, from what I remember, it's like they would pay him a hefty chunk and then everything else was so cheap. So, but yeah, this was, this was not it. Um, I, I have read some people trying to reclaim this as like a modern great Gatsby. And then I see that and I'm like, what? I, it's like, I don't think you're doing the film. Like, I don't think you're helping here. I think you're just hurting it when you bring that in. But yeah, if you can find that there's an IndieWire article from a, uh, oh. a guy that's very popular on film Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that was his, that was his case he was making. We did not make that case. We, yeah. We went with it's Amy not, Schumer. 
which is not the most incredibly popular thing to do in 2020, but so what? It's yeah, but neither film are really bad. I, I highly recommend the Mike Birbiglia's uh, specials on Netflix because they're so unlike the stuff that's out right now. Um, and and there is, and I'm glad because stand up has gotten kind of a renaissance, I think, because of places like HBO and Netflix. So yeah, it, it's just, and again, no one's ever going to be. I can't force somebody to sit down and watch Monty Python with me and be like, isn't this funny? Because they're not going to find it funny. I remember when I was forced to watch the Holy Grail and I was like, this isn't funny. Like, what are you talking about? And then you later in life, you discover it on your own very organically. And it's like, Oh, I get it now. Like, this is funny, but some people are just not going to find it funny. So. Well, I um, apologize in advance for that uh, 40 minute YouTube video that I'm like, no, no, you have to watch <laughs> no, this. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm very excited to watch this. Uh, I, I, especially the uncomfortable aspect of it. I can't wait to see it. But yeah, ultimately, just they're not bad films. They're not. I think they both have something to say, and they're, there's a very, they're worthwhile at least once. Give it a go. But just know that it might not be um, <laughs> The Great Gatsby. It's It's just. It's not, so. You say that about a lot of things, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird we have to say that for funny people, but yeah, just putting that out there in case someone finds that article and then, <laughs> then gets Wait, pissed. are we talking about, are we talking about the Gerd Gatsby novel or like the Bob Lersman? They were talking whatever. about the novel. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like, this is no... <laughs> What do you think of the <laughs> uh, the Boz Lerman thing? I, I always wanted to do that for original remake with the Redford one, which I've never seen. Oh, yeah. I've seen parts of the Red for One. I, I did recently watch the. Uh, uh, is it? Are we saying his name right? Lursman. Lerman. I think it's L U H R. Baz. Baz. Okay. I thought it. I forgive a lot of films if they are interesting, and I think the Great Gatsby remake is interesting. I think the look of it is very um, quirky and idiosyncratic, and and I. And also it has Amitabh Bachchan, one of like like the greatest um, Indian actor, or at least the biggest Indian actor of all time playing uh, uh, the, the, the optometrist. And so like little things like that will make me go, okay, like I, this is really neat. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind it. I think it's interesting. So I, I would uh, – I can't say that it's better or worse than like a straightforward adaptation, something like the Redford. But I would say it's, it's something that's unique. And and that always uh, always gets points in my book for it. You gotta find something you're passionate about, Web. Like you, you pick. You tell me what the next, what our next conversation will be, and because oh. uh, I, <laughs> I, it pains me to bring material to you where you're like, eh, <laughs> well, no. But but the, the thing is, those are the things that always foster the most interesting conversation. Because if I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. You fall you know. into the Chris Farley show trap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was awesome. Like, do you remember that video I sent to you of Family Guy Event Horizon? Like, I, I, like while I would love to do that for five minutes about some movie we both love, it's more the interesting failures. The more like, um, and that's why I love discussing. And I'm glad I rewatched Funny People and Trainwreck, though I can't imagine me rewatching Funny People in the rest, for the rest of my life. I just don't know when or why I would do it. But <laughs> I'm glad we did it because we were able to kind of discuss some of these the comic legends and, and why is it that 
the film was made. And, and I, I think that those are more that's more interesting than just marking out about uh, a film we both love. I think if anyone has listened to us before and if they're here now, I mean, I'm I'm basically saying that they're the, the battered uh, person in the relationship. They should know by now that the uh, the featured film. The, the title of the episode is just a suggestion for other things <laughs> that we want to talk about. So, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Absolutely. I just don't know what to expect. I've, I've got no idea what he's like, really. He doesn't do a lot of these things. I, I, there's not a lot out there about him, really. Um, I mean, I hope he's funny. Why did you ruin that moment by looking? How did you <laughs> coming in? How did you? Was that you that was looking? It's your house. Why was that you that was looking this way? No. Who was looking right here when I was walking in? When I was standing out there, didn't you see that I was coming walking in? No. Was that you? No. Hold on. Before I shake your hand and say hello, first you said no, that wasn't me. No, I didn't see you. I swear well, I didn't see you. The story no, that I was me, but I didn't see you. Uh, that's true. But you said, is it you that looked out there? What I was doing was talking to my producer that was here. Right, because you were standing about here looking this way. Yeah. Well, there is another way to tell if it was me or not. Don't touch me. Did it look like me? If it looks like me... And it smells like you... Then it might have been me. I doubt that it's you. What are you doing? It's my contact lenses. I don't, that's why I have these on. These are my prescription sunglasses. Okay. Hi. It's a pleasure to see you. Pleasure to meet you. Gary Shandling. I've never met uh, Ricky before. So this is actually... Uh, Real? Uncomfortable. <laughs> because, uh, and yet exciting because there will never be, as they say, this first moment again when I meet you the first time. Um, I just need to put my contact lens on, Ricky. We can get this. This is dynamite. Don't do it over the sink. What if it goes down the plug hole? What are you controlling? How long do you think I've been wearing contact lenses? And you're giving me advice of how to put my contact lens in? It's a nice house. Is it council? I'm insulted. No, you're not. That's my ass detector, and it's gone off because you're here. Come this way. Come into the garden. I want to show you something. <laughs> Where is your sense of what's going on? You just kept walking. I wasn't behind you. We can get into being, uh, you know, extremely funny in a second. It's a, it's a switch, right? Well, maybe. Sort of a switch. Yeah. Switch for you? Switch for me. I can throw the switch. I mean, I'm naturally funny. I was a funny kid. Should we sit down and say this? You think it'll come out differently? Yeah, yeah. I've got a bad back. He doesn't know that I'm never behind him. He just walks because he's in his head. He's just in his head thinking we should get it all down so he doesn't... Re you realize I'm not with you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just came back to see what you're saying about me.